I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of opinions on this one. There's a lot of noise in franchising. What do you trust? Who do you believe? What's up? What's down? Get into it. Just a second. Now, I think it puts it in perspective. Clearly, Charles has a new camera. <laughs> like before, like I think this sets the tone. Like before, I couldn't see all the little, you know, different shapes in his head. I can see <laughs> everything right now. Like the transparency is ridiculous. So I can see clearly. And that's what we're that's what we're trying to do here on FranX. So uh, Charles, I'll start with you. Here's how I frame this. And, and this is where this topic comes from. Um, I really do enjoy scrolling through LinkedIn uh, and seeing all of the all of the conversations. What I would say in the last 12, 12 months, the amount of podcasts and TikToks and blogs and all of this stuff has been created. And so the good on a social network or on the internet is that the franchise community doesn't have to wait to be selected as a panelist uh, to go speak at a conference, which is already like all the garbage bullshit politics of how you get on those things anyway. But people can have a voice. So that's the positive. But if you try to figure out what is the best pathway, you can get lost. So like a new franchisor, you could have super believability in vendors or solutions that might not make sense. Like there was a post up this morning about the cost of selling a franchise. And there was this argument on how it should cost less than $5,000. I'm like, okay, go tell that to a startup franchisor and tell me Brent, Brent's data point was 67% of first time franchisors don't sell a unit in the first few years. So go tell, go say that to a franchisor that just spent five grand, you know, 10 times over to get a deal done and got nothing. So I see all this noise. Charles, start with you, then Brent. How do you figure out what's right and what's not, especially if you don't have a strong pulse on um, industry? So I, I don't see it as noise. I see it as information and clarity, right? Because be what you're calling noise, right, is media, is opinion, and people putting themselves out there, whereas before... Everyone's just guessing. When I build a relationship with a law firm, when I build a relationship with a PR company, um, so I, I think it's more clarity, it's more information to process. But I think you can increase your likelihood of selecting the right vendors and and the right relationship. So, I mean, you need to be discerning. You need to evaluate the source. But I think this is all good and totally off topic. I think it's also another signal, especially for franchisors, emerging brands, everyone, that success is going to be micro, micro communities, micro conversations, and, and distribution of your content. And if you're genuine, you're going to win. And if you're not genuine, you're not. Like a pet peeve of mine, when I see on um, LinkedIn, someone announced the launch of a new FDD, right? So it's typically a law firm. I'm like, okay, I didn't know the goal was to launch an FDD, but let's hypothetically assume we're into launching FDDs and that matters. And then you go and you click, you see the company, you click on their website and it's horrible, right? So you have an FDD, but you don't have a franchise brand. So people need to, so, so in that case, 
someone who's getting hit with this media, now you could go explore. Like, what does it really mean? So I think this is, I think there's more data. I think it's all a positive. Okay, before I let Brent go, let me, let me, let me ask you a quick follow-up on that. At some point, a website company told whatever brand that was that this is the best practice. This is the website. And before, no. yeah, right, before no, that moment, a franchise said, development company that sits at expos all day where their CEO has nothing else to do but stand at an expo all day and sells people on the concept of franchising. And then they're repackaging an FDD and there's not enough budget to develop a real website or have a real conversation. They're hurting people. And so they are, but, but that's not the, that's not the challenge. It's not, I agree. I agree on that. The challenge, like if we're again, like how do you cut through the clutter? That brand was not wrong for believing it because it felt real. And it so was they, wrong. They I blame it. that brand. That brand should have done more research, should have watched more YouTube videos, should have learned more. What does it mean to franchise? How do you succeed? And can't just go on the first click. So but that brand is at fault. You, even if you did all that. How do you know what's real and what's fake? They do not do it. Brent, how do you know what's real and fake? How do you know what's the best practice or not? So uh, from two sides, right? The franchisor side, I, I agree with where you're both going, with Charles going. I think there's a black eye on this industry. And I think from my experience and my viewpoint, brands that get hurt and they're in any unfortunate people that invest in these types of brands are brands that go to organizations within franchising that do FDDs, that do operations manuals, that do franchise sales, that say they do it all, that will tell any person with a brand name that's been operating as a business for as, as long as they have that, yes, this is a viable franchise. Give me $50,000, give me $100,000 and you'll be a successful franchise. And by the way, we'll sell 100 or 200 of them and everyone's going to be successful. Probably knowing very well that the unit level economics weren't there to sustain it or to, to make them a viable franchise. And so how do you get over that, both as the franchisor and franchisee? I think Charles is right. You learn what it means to be to have viable economics as a franchise brand. Uh, we talk about it all the time at Raintree. And when I do get those brands that come across that have viable franchise economics that have been burned by organizations that have promised the world and delivered nothing, they're my favorite because then they work with a professional organization like Mainland or Intercolner and they see regular content and they get to understand the culture and they see validation from real franchisees and franchisors that have had a good experience and that can be learned um, through some of the noise, right? The right noise and just taking the time to educate yourself. I think that the noise is probably a good thing for those that are willing to do the research. If you're unwittingly enough to, to go to a trade show and listen to some guy or girl tell you that your brand's perfect and they'll take your money and turn you into a national brand. You didn't listen to some of that noise out there. There's a lot of really good stuff out there that may have prevented franchisors from putting themselves in that situation. And then same for franchisees, right? Like learning what it means to be a successful franchisee, how to understand if the brand's financials fit within your expectations, how to understand if there's truly a history of success there, I mean, to tie all that back together, yeah, I think the noise is good so long as you find the right noise. And and I guess it can be the same on the other side. I think there's noise out there in, in the world of social and franchising right now that's just doing the trade show. I'll make you, we're, we're great and you're going to be great and you should do this. I think there's both sides of it. And and I so I guess the question is, if someone's trying to do the research, and I think you asked this too, Nick, how do they discern whether it's it's good noise or bad noise? And it's a tough question for someone that's brand new to this, both as a Zor and a Z. Yeah, and look, it, it it goes both ways. So if I get on a call with with a brand, 
<clears throat> I tend to say, all right, what's, what's your point of differentiation in your product? Do you have a, a vision leadership, some sort of like, here's our North star of what we're going to accomplish from the CEO. What's the cost to get in and how much I can make? How does validation look and where are you growing? And I say like that, that's the fundamentals that we have to have down to, so if I say that to a brand, they're like, yeah, but, but this FSO said we can sell a thousand and we don't need any of this. And so the reality is my opinion doesn't mean it's right, but what it means is that it's a, there's a variation in opinion or as, as simple as like this, this was a two, two easy hot topics. It was like, do your franchisees have a Facebook page or not? Those brands that have their franchisees on their Facebook pages that with zero reach, nobody sees their posts. So it's a waste, waste of time today. But the argument was whether you do it or not, or the other one very easy was, um, should we should our franchise website be on a separate URL or, or part of our other one? And so my opinion is different than other folks. And so you could that, that's super micro. But but I think about like, uh, Charles, there's a brand that you've talked about um, with me and you're like, the, the brand is in like they want to be in franchising. They're investing in going to the conferences. And so they go to this broker show and they network and they spend a year spending money and networking and networking because that's what they were told and they never sell a unit. And so at some point they get burnt out. And so if there's a good solution that comes back into play, they're like, yeah, but I've been burnt. And, and so the trust, you know, the baggage continues to deteriorate. But I think like if, if we read through the lines and Brent, you, you can comment next, like, does your brand have profitability? And so like we, we have a, we have a brand that we've been <coughs> coaching a bit uh, and corporately they do fine. You take off another 7%, their franchisees would not do fine. That's a gap that needs to be closed in order for them to grow as a franchise. I'll say that to them. They don't always want to hear that. So I would imagine like when you're vetting brands, like again, like your opinion might be different than a rain tree competitor. How do you like, how do you, how do you find trust in this industry? Who do you, who are you supposed to trust? Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it, it's just research, right? And it's, it's, here's the interesting part, just because one FSO or franchise vendor is successful with a variety of, of brands doesn't necessarily mean they're the right brand for you. There's so much nuance in this industry. Um, and I think you really need to understand what your deficiencies are what your objectives are, what the history of the vendor you've, you've, you've in, uh, researching has been involved with on those, and also culture fit too, right? Like most of these relationships that we're talking about from the franchisor perspective, like you guys know that the, the brands that you've you've had a partnership with, the best brands, you're with them for years and years and years. And sure, performance is there, um, solving their problems, helping them achieve their goals is there, but a lot of it is culture too. And, and, and figuring that out is not something you can do in a 30-second trade show, and it's not something I can do in a 30-minute initial call. It takes real homework. And that's why I like the idea of a proliferation of content that's happening out there right now allows us both to do that. Certainly if a brand, like sometimes brands, you know, we've, we've talked about this, we're a little bit picky at Raintree, but when brands have podcasts and real content, it makes it so much easier for us to understand how viable the product is, what the leadership and skill level of, of those people behind it are, and is it a good culture fit for us and for them too? And that, that can happen a lot better with, with some of the, the, the things that you're able to find online now. And I also think the same from the franchisee perspective too. 
Um, gone are the days where you can tell someone it's a six to eight week process. You're going to have six to eight calls and that's all you're going to get. I'm going to give you one thing a week and you make your, your, your next 10 years decision based on those six to eight calls. That's gone. It's so much more than that now, which is good for those franchise investors that are willing to do their own research and, 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 and go above and beyond. And in the instance of the broker group that you mentioned, Nick, like that, that example is a good one. If, if, if franchise buyers really do their research rather than just seeing an ad from a, I'm a franchise consultant and I'll find you your dream brand for free, you no longer just have to make your decision then and there on if they're the person you're going to trust that decision with. The best franchise brokers right now, buying a, a franchise through a broker is not always the best decision for, for franchise investors. But for some people, when they're good franchise brokers, it can save them absolute disaster. They can guide them in the right direction, put them in the right brand and, and guide them towards profitability and their goals. And there's a massive disconnect and, and, and disparity here between someone that was, I don't know, a plumber um, yesterday pays a franchise license and they wake up in the morning and start marketing themselves as a franchise expert. Now, if they're really doing the things, if they're creating their own noise, if they've got podcasts, if they've got case studies, if they've got a variety of information collateral out there, franchise investors, smart ones at least, will be able to dig in and understand, is this person truly experienced in what they say they are and should I trust the decision in them or not? And I think to wrap all that up, I think the noise, the right noise can help us make better decisions. I think it's a very good thing if you're willing to do the work. Well, and look, and, and Charles, Charles, I have a question for you next. But comment is, like, if you think about a real estate agent, they have to go through some sort of process to get their license, right? Like there's a, there's a licensing route for them to go. And in franchise brokers, you can be a plumber and you can turn into a coach tomorrow. And so like, like you're right. Like ultimately, if you fall, if you listen to noise that drives you into the wrong decision, there is some shame on you. Like put put up a guard, vet the process, trust your gut, and you'll 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 make you'll make right decisions or wrong decisions. Um, Charles, like like if I think about like competitive speak, right? If the law firm, your law firm, is up against another law firm. And that other law firm is saying they suck because of X, Y, Z. And so now you have to go into that situation and you got to almost defend your positioning because the law firm chooses to act like uh, a high school student versus a professional. And I think that's part of the issue in, in franchising. There's more high school students than professionals. And so if you're having to combat, you feel like you're already on the defense to help coach them off of all this false noise that they heard. Like, you don't need an attorney to do an FTD. Just go use this template and put it up online. Like, no matter what, like to, to a trusting individual that doesn't have years of experience in franchising, they don't know what else to trust in that. How do you, how do you coach them against, like, they've already been told that Santa Claus is real. Yeah. And, 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 and to be clear, my law firm competitors, especially in the franchise industry, there's really good competitors, really good people. Um, and so I don't have that issue. I, I mean, they may have differences of opinion, but there's quality, quality competitors and I appreciate them. What I don't appreciate, I, I could be candid and not for the sake of complaining, 
there's franchise development companies out there that are repackaging legal services. And in my opinion, it's fraudulent. In fact, what, what also I believe is improper is if you go to many franchise development companies, they're going to list as part of their team all these lawyers from all these different law firms as if they work for the franchise development company. So shockingly, 80% of the franchise development company staff are lawyers that aren't a part of their company. Or, <clears throat> and most of them are at different law firms. And so why does that happen? I think that's wrong. But I, I, I think education. Now, even when I speak with, with people that have gone down that pathway, a lot of them have said, Charles, I knew that. And I knew they're not really right. And they're like, I just want to get started. So they accepted the risk. So I don't, I don't see any, you know, it, it's definitely wrong. I question why lawyers would allow their profiles to be added with other lawyers to that. So, but for me on a legal end, we have amazing competitors, amazing people doing the right thing on the fringe. And then on the fringe, also there's amazing franchise development companies. So I have no sympathy. If you're franchising your business or you're a franchisor, you're going to do the research. And as a franchisor, what's going to create a successful franchise system? You'd be smart to hire Raintree, but that's not it by itself. It's you as the founder. So you, you have to do that research. And by me being a good founder, I'm going to find those good vendors. And I'm going to move on from others, you know? So, okay, so stay on that for a second, because I think I think there's a, <clears throat> there's a good point here. So you said, in my opinion, the companies that whatever, pass on the FDD is, uh, you don't need a lawyer to do it, right? Uh, are fraudulent in your opinion, right? Yeah. And to them- By the way, if any of them are listening and ever want to go on a live stream and we could have a conversation, I'd be glad to do that. Let's do it. But none of them will ever say they want to have that conversation. But now to be fair, what they so I've never been in franchising. I have my small flower shop. I want to franchise it. Right. What they're telling me is they're saying- Look, there's franchise attorneys out there that were, will rip you off and charge you thousands of dollars to do this. You don't have to pay that. With us, we do it for you. So right. they're what they're saying is you're fraudulent. I'm not saying like what. Yeah, what no, I wrong. get that. I mean, the objective fact is is they're not a law firm and they're totally. I, I agree with you, but I'm saying to someone who doesn't understand, they don't know. No, right? they don't know. They don't know. Or they, they, take they an don't 18 year old who's going to vote for the first time. If you search, is Donald Trump good? You'd find plenty of articles that say Donald Trump is good. If you search for is Donald Trump bad, you'd find plenty of articles that say Donald Trump is bad. So as a first-time voter who's uneducated, you could you could read whatever direction you want to go in. And that that's what I'm trying to break into is how do you like how do you have that guard up? So when in that in that situation as a first-time franchisor that I know which direction to go, because everybody sounds truthful and honest, you know. You guys I give you one clue, like things that, that I hear. If we're talking about noise, negative noise is often an indication that you may be going down the wrong track. If someone right. has to say, well, you could use Charles, but he's going to charge you thousands of dollars and we'll do it for free. If they're resorting to that, it probably means they're trying to hide some deficiencies and some insecurities in their model. Just like yesterday, for example, I had a brand um, absolutely qualified on all levels. Uh, and I know that they were looking at us and one of our competitors. And after a few weeks of going back and forth, he said, I'm going to go with the competitor. And our answer is always the same. You know what? They're first class and you're going to be in great hands with them. 
Um, and I know I get that from my group. There's a, there's a group of FSOs, five or six of us that all offer a great product. And I know we all talk positively about each other. And that's what's cool about the franchising community. What we're referring to here in some of these large-scale friend dev companies that try and do everything and some of the other examples, they're actually the minority. Uh, the majority is is an offering a good product for, it depends on some of the things I mentioned before, what your objectives are, what their experience is, and is there a culture fit? The good news is franchise in a whole is, is, is a good spot. It's just a few black sheep that we're trying to get people to, to stay away from. But I would never say that directly to a brand of, well, I wouldn't use them. They suck. It's, have you done your research? Have you looked at this? this? Is as far as I would take it. If people are speaking negatively in franchising, they're not one of us. I think that's, that, that is such an incredible insight. Like there, there was one point where I said, would, would our business like to work with everyone? Yes. But we've lost, like, I'll give, I'll give a real example. There was a competitor of ours who walked the floor of a conference and someone asked about, well, should we be looking at in 1851 as a solution? And the answer was don't because the FTC is investigating 1851 for fraud. And so that, that brand fell off. They're like, we're not working with you. You're being investigated for fraud. I'm like, I mean, I said, we have an attorney on retainer who is formerly of the FTC, who is working with us on sponsored content. They're listening. Are you back? Brent, are you back? <laughs> we, we all got kicked out. Charles, are you back? Yeah, I'm back. I think. See, I'm telling you, like, there, there's something out there. Brent's kicked out now, too. Point is, like, it's it's sometimes, like, it, it, if you're hearing negatives, that could be the, right? That That is what Brent was saying, that, that, that if someone talks probably out of bounds shit, then that might be your indicator to know, like, maybe that's not the path. That, maybe that's not the noise I want to believe in. Well, and, and then I'm just reflecting and for brands out there and everyone else, right? If you lose out to a competitor, don't assume it's because something negative was said or um, they made a mistake. They may, your competitor may be communicating more information than you are. Yeah. And you could be doing exactly the same thing times 10. But maybe your competitors taking the time to showing them process. So that's it. Love language. Know the love language of the people. Yeah. Like, like Char Charles, I would say is best of the best. This is not like I'd never blow smoke at Charles. Like people, people <laughs> yeah. enjoy what we're about. But he's best of the best of having kid gloves when it comes to merging franchisors. They're like, what do I do? And he says, like, look, you need to have your passion video. You need to you need to have your positioning. You got to really look at the competitive, like he gives really good advice. And so like, that's the thing, like you, and, and there's plenty of brands that won't work with Charles, but you find someone that feels good. And also know for, from the supplier standpoint, just cause someone says no to you now, doesn't mean they're not going to give you a shot later on. Like this business, like there's a lot of turnover on what works because when you're all chasing deals, there's going to be a lot that doesn't work in that moment. There's going to be hard to measure your, your growth projections. And so I, Brent's approach of saying, look, you're, you're going with a first class group. And if it doesn't work out, give us a call. Like what that does is it leaves a professional door open 
versus slamming it and saying, you know, go F yourself. And same on the franchisee side. We're seeing it more and more at Wintry where, you know, I'll have two directors working, same candidate for two brands. He'll choose one brand over the other. Conversation of great choice. You're in good hands with them. I'm going to keep watching you. We're seeing more and more brands that franchise owners that find success with the first brand that circle back to some of the other brands that they were looking at using some of the profits they've made with their first success and buying others. Just keeping that relationship alive. It doesn't have to be this highly competitive us over them by any means. Charles, final thoughts? Just reflecting on some of the comments. The franchise industry is no different from every other industry. You have competitors. I will say to Brent's point, I think from an elevation standpoint, IFA, all the development companies, lawyers, franchise sales organizations, there's amazing organizations out there. So I I, I think compared to other industries, I think we're doing a great job. And for for franchisors, people hiring vendors, it's 100% on them. So I think this data is great. I want to see more live streams, more blogs, more of everything because, because genuine, honest information ultimately is going to be what resonates with everyone. My, my last statement is this. Uh, in, in arguably no other industry, I haven't seen this be as true as in franchising, but you get what you pay for. And so I've seen so many shortcuts taken in the process. Like, let's say it's a lead generation budget. You take the shortcuts, uh, the candidates that come in, you might sell a franchise, but they close two years after because they weren't properly capitalized because you took the, the pathway of least resistance. You want to franchise your business and you're debating, is, should it cost hundred grand or should it cost 30? You can totally get through at 30 but that might not give you the enough bandwidth or resources or scaffolding to get you through what a hundred would get you to. You're thinking about the commissions that you pay to the brokers when you're like, I'm going to pay them 10. Why would I pay them 40? Well, then, you know, a year later you have no deals done. Like money, money and financial resources is in my opinion, the most critical key to winning at franchising. And you got to be smart with it. If you don't have a lot, you can be smart with what you have, but above any other industry that I've ever worked in, you get what you pay for more in franchising than anywhere else. And when you look at over a long period of time, if you're trying to cut through the noise, whatever solution you're looking for, if you look over a period of time, two years, you might have spent the same amount of money on the pathway of least cost as you would have. You just spent it over two years versus over one. And so like that's, that, Trust, trust your gut, listen to the, the reactions of, should I, like, how do you feel about your competitors? <clears throat> Read the noise, get ingrained with it and, and get, understand that what you get, you get what you pay for. And that helps you, that, that's guiding principles. And the secret word on today's episode is fish sticks. So if you've watched the end, that's the keyword. I, there's people that keep on saying, I watched the end. I know what you said at the end. So there it is. Fish sticks is a keyword of today's episode. See you guys.